0: this week's edition of the sportsaholic podcast as always i'm max zucker on the line is mr sean conway and sean i got a friend of ours chris chrisman uh will be joining the show today as well looking forward to having chris join the show but sean
1: let's check in with you first how are you doing sir not too bad as i always say max we always have to start off the show talk about what we were cooking the last week something cool we made and I made a pretty decent uh, Meatloaf meal It's not your typical Meatloaf but Okay was like an Irish Take on it I, had, I mixed In the meatloaf itself Ground beef And ground lamb Mmm And So I made that Into a nice little Meatloaf And then I made Coal cannon mash And Kerrygold Buttered Carrots That were steamed Ooh. In the instant pot So those were A pretty fantastic meal If I do say so myself But uh Looking forward to a, a, another Irish meal this week. I, I think I might be, uh, might be roasting a duck.
0: Oh, really? You're going to have mm-hmm. to let the... Uh, if you actually follow through on this, you do got to let uh, the listeners know the process of that and how it
1: went. I definitely will. It's in my deep freezer right now downstairs, so I just got to thaw it out. And I think oh, I'm you already help. have it. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm going to honey roast it with, with, uh, with Guinness as well. Ooh, Oh,
0: man. Oh, God, I hope that really turns out well, Sean. Uh, I uh, made some chicken tortilla soup again this week. I love making my uh, chicken tortilla soup, so I won't go too much in depth to that. However, last night I made a nice little uh, pork roast with vegetables. I put some smokehouse seasoning on the pork uh, roast, and I used Old Arthur's barbecue sauce, uh, their spicy barbecue sauce, and put that on the pork roast as well, as well as the vegetables. It turned out absolutely divine.
1: Nice, nice. There we go. Sounds like we got some good meals going on uh, this week, and uh, as well as good meals, we got some good matchups going on for our second round of Indeed. matchups in the second round of the Bits and snubs bracket for the NFL. Today we've got, you know, pretty strong candidates on both ends. It's gonna be a toss up. I really say between the two of them, but I think. I think we have the right uh, direction going for that as well. Uh, so why don't you get going on your end uh, first, and then I will uh, I'll take over for. Uh Uh, After you talk about Vince Wilfork, I'll talk about uh, Jordy Nelson. How about that?
0: right, I'll start us off with Vince Wilfork. And I really like Vince Wilfork's case. The five-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, went to four Super Bowls, all with the Patriots, winning two of them. One in his rookie season, one in his last season. With the Patriots, Sean, this guy's about as durable as they come at the defensive tackle position. Played in 189 out of 208 possible games, and these are some of these metrics. I promised you. I said if if Wilfork can move on to the next round, I would. I said i promised promise you with some metrics from. His uh, time in New England, at least when he was really dominant, those last two years in Houston, he was still good. But not, you know, his his decade of dominance was that 11 years he spent with the Patriots. And during that time, Sean, during those 11 years, the Patriots were six in rushing yards allowed. And they were the third best in preventing rushing touchdowns uh, when they had Vince Wilfork. In fact, Wilfork played a very uh, significant part of that. From 2006 to 2010, Wilfork led all interior linemen in run stops with 137. And run stop percentage with with an impressive 11.3% clip at the run stop, Sean. And that's minimum 850 attempts. This is what I'm talking about. This guy, to me, he may not have been the guy to get to the quarterback, but, again, he was a pure nose tackle, and his job was to stop, the ground, uh, to stop the ground game, and that's what he did effectively throughout his whole career. I really love his case to move on to the Final Four, but let's hear your side on Nelson first.
1: All right. Like we said last time, we spoke about Jordy Nelson. Most of his career spent with the Green Bay Packers, Uh Eleven-year yeah. career, ten of them with with Green Bay, one final season with Oakland, where he was the uh, the comeback player of the year, I believe. No, that, no, that was uh, that was still with the Packers. My bad. But anyway, um, he was widely considered one of the most elite wide receivers in the NFL during his tenures with the Packer. He was part of that Super Bowl forty-five championship team, one-time Pro Bowler, one-time second-team All-Pro, both those coming in twenty fourteen he holds several franchise records for the Packers. And after 10 seasons in Green Bay, he finished second in the franchise history with 550 receptions and 69 receiving touchdowns. And third with 25 games with at least 100 receiving yards. And and then that would be fifth with 7,848 receiving yards. Now, looking at the rest of his career numbers, in comparison to Vince Wilfork, I don't know if he moves on here, but he's definitely in the packers ring of honor or whatever they want to call it in green bay for sure so i will agree that vince wilfolk moves on here but jordan nelson also had a spectacular career and definitely needs to be recognized for that
0: Oh, and absolutely should be recognized here on the podcast for it. Yeah, he was obviously a nemesis of ours for a long time. I'm glad to see him retired and not on the field anymore for Green Bay, Sean. But yeah, uh, definitely to me, yeah, exactly. Uh, Packers, uh, Ring of Honor, Packers Hall of Famer, that's to me in the Hall of Very Good and, you know, very good for that franchise. So let's move on to our snub sides. Jim Marshall, man. Holy smokes, this guy had a career, and I said the same thing about him. I said, if we can let Jim Marshall go on another round, I'll bring some other numbers up that I think really need to be discussed and really need to be looked at for his Hall of Fame candidacy. Paired in four Super Bowls, uh, Sean, all with the Vikings. Of course, they lost each one of those, thank God, but... uh, his other teammates that were on the defensive end that were pretty big, significant players uh, were also uh, Ben and Doug's in the Hall of Fame and Alan Page, Carl Elder, and uh, Paul Curse, Car- uh, K- uh, who, of course, uh, is you know great Hall of Famer. He has 127 unofficial sacks. That would be second most in Vikings history. Of course, second to Carl Eller, who I just mentioned, and is in the Hall of Fame with just three more sacks. This guy played for uh, for 20 seasons, Sean. That's tied for the most as a defensive player. He owns the record for uh, the most consecutive games played by a defensive player at 270 and all 270 of those games were starts so i think that's pretty impressive that shows longevity and that he could compete he competed all the way to age 42 which is insane he has the second most fumble recoveries by a defensive player with 30 and 29 of those were by uh by opponents which is the most all time, I rest my case on Jim Marshall. I believe he moves on. All
1: right. Well, we'll see. Sean Alexander is his opponent in this round. The running back of nine years in the NFL had eight years in Seattle, one year in Washington as well. Another one of those mainly spent with one team. Another great running back, though, to come out of Alabama. Roll Tide. Obviously, I throw that part in there. He was a nineteenth overall oh, that's pick right. in two thousand right. to the Seahawks. No season of his stands out more than the two thousand five season where he led the league in rushing yards at one thousand eight hundred and eighty yards, as well as rushing touchdowns with twenty seven. He finished the season as well as the NFL MVP and the offensive player of the year. Outside of two thousand five season he was a three time pro bowler, made his first and second team or made the first and second team all pro all pro teams once each, and then led the league in rushing touchdowns as well in two thousand and one. That was just his sophomore season into the NFL. He was named a member of the 2000s all-decade team. He sits at 36th all-time for the rushing yards at 9,453. And that's pretty spectacular considering how short of a career he had compared to some of the greats who played much longer than him had to be at the top of that list. And in the all-purpose yards, not really all that spectacular in the numbers-wise. Sitting at 123rd at just shy of 11,000 yards, 10,981 as well. I do have to agree with, though, though here. I think Jim Marshall did have a bit more of an effective career and has a little bit more of the edge in this one. So I will agree with you. Max gets the sweep for the week. Jordy Nelson and Sean Alexander falling to Vince Wilfork and Jim Marshall. We're going to take a quick break here on the Sportsaholics podcast. On the flip side of this, we're going to have Max and his friend Chris for a birthday special for him and they're going to talk all about the nfl this week and next listen to sports talks podcast with max zucker and sean conway taking us out the break as always is jason james with his tune fallen hills <laughs>
0: We're back here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. That was Fallen Hills by Jason James. And as promised, like we said before, Chris Christman, welcome to the podcast. This is my buddy from Rockford. I'm glad to have you come in and fill in a block for Sean Conway. Uh, how are you feeling today, Chris? I'm feeling great. Me too, me too. It was fun to watch football <laughs> with you this past weekend. Grand Bears stunk once again, but honestly, no surprise there, right? No,
2: I've been born and raised a Bears fan, and all I can say is, "Oh boy!" <laughs> yeah, "Oh boy" is right. They just stink again. Can't even get the
0: victory versus the Lions. Uh, let's talk. Let's get right into it, Chris. Since I got you here on the line, free agent linebacker Von Tez arrested on a misdemeanor battery charge over the weekend. This guy just seems like he is always getting in trouble, apparently on the field, in the NFL, not in the NFL. This guy's nothing but a troublemaker. He last played, if you remember, in week four of last season and was suspended after that game for the rest of the season after his hit on the Colts tight end, Jack Doyle. Burfix has been suspended 22 games in his NFL career. What do you think? Do you think the free agent should get a second chance, Chris? Well, I think he should personally stay on the free me just, agent wire.
2: Let me just put it this way, Max. Bonehead Perfect <laughs> should, get, should get a lifetime ban from the NFL, period.
0: I like that. And, you know, 22 games suspended in his career, you would think at this point you might think about a lifetime ban. The guy clearly does not... Uh, plan to listen to the rules that the league has created, and he has lost five point three million dollars in those uh due to those suspensions. So
2: oh, what I could do with that money? Right, exactly what anyone
0: could do with that money. But I mean, Jesus, no, I don't say you bring him back. But one guy who's coming back is Josh Gordon, who's also an often suspended wide receiver. Uh, which is kind of good here if you're a Seahawks fan. He'll be against, uh, coming back for the last two games of the season, so he could shake off any rust during those two games and hopefully be ready for the playoffs. Obviously, that's what uh, Pete Carroll, the head coach, is wanting for. In fact, Pete Carroll had this to say: "He said we've been waiting for this for some time now, and we're ready, or we're really thrilled to be getting him." back. I'm sure they are. You look at DK Metcalf, Chris, who's got over a 1,000 oh. yards receiving. Tyler Lockett, over 700 uh, yards receiving. is a solid number, too. But after that, you're looking at David Moore, Freddie Swain, and Penny Hart. So I understand why they would be exciting to get a talent like uh,
2: Gordon. Likewise, Max. Him along with DK Metcalf. Holy Toledo. How do you stop those two?
0: Hey, if he comes back and he's not rusty, it's going to be hard. However, again, this is his sixth suspension, Chris, since the start of the 2013 season, and five of them were because of substance abuse issues. I just hope the guy, really, before he goes makes a playoff run with Seattle, I know he wants to live in that limelight, but I hope he kind of gets and recover and can kind of make himself, uh, you know, I guess, I guess uh, present better before he gets back on an NFL field
2: likewise likewise we all know somebody that has issues and we all wish for them so why wouldn't I wish it for him
0: exactly like I said he's a hell of a receiver hell of a guy uh just wish you know uh the substance stuff would be more of a cut because he is a fun talent one on the field all right Chris let's get into our game of the week we have the Steelers who finally lost their first game of the season last week to the lowly uh Washington football team. They are taking on, though, the Buffalo Bills for Sunday night football. This should be a good one. Do you want to start with the
2: Steelers or the Bills? We'll go with the Steelers first. That, between that front line and that secondary, they have a nasty defense with Minka Fitzpatrick on the, on the back end and, and Bud Dupree on the front end. And JJ Watt, they are absolutely nasty.
0: Yeah, I mean, Stefan Tua, Cameron Hayward, like you said, TJ Watt, that's awesome. Makina Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden, man, to lead that secondary. They are a very strong team on the uh, defensive side, but they're almost just as strong on the offense. If anything, I shouldn't say that because that defense is really good. They're third in the NFL. In yards allowed, with averaging under 300 a game, they're first in sacks and they're first in turnovers. So that defense is probably is elite. But man, that offense is fun to watch. Ben Roethlisberger coming back from that shoulder injury has done nothing but to impress me. He's got that plethora of receivers with Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Clay, uh, Chase Claypool, and Eric Ebron has looked really good in the tight end position. And when you got James Washington and Ray-Ray McLeod is your fourth, fifth options, you're looking good at, the, uh, at that spot.
2: I call them the football version of the New York Yankees' Murders, row. <laughs> I love these receivers. If you could take them and put them on the Bears... The Bears would be churning.
0: (laughs) I would love to have any one of those receivers. Those receivers are great, and that is part of the fun with Ben Roethlisberger and company. Now let's get on to the Bills real quick here before we have to cut to commercial here, Chris. They also have their own exciting uh, components on defense, especially in the middle with Vernon Butler and Ed Oliver. Two guys who can help control the run game against Benny Snell and the Steelers. Trevavious White has lived up to uh, the amount of money I feel like they have signed him to in the offseason. But enough about their defense. Let's get into their offense. Obviously, Josh Allen is one of those guys that we got to talk about.
2: Josh Allen, if you remember, Max, when he was drafted, was drafted late, and he has done well. To prove his hours wrong with a chip on his shoulder.
0: Yeah, he's done everything he, he can. I really like him. To me, he's a top-ten quarterback right now. It, the question is, can he ever be that top-five quarterback and lead the Bills to sustainable you know, division runs?
2: Absolutely, he can, I have no doubt. I have no doubt.
0: Last thing we're going to touch on, Chris, is that running game for Buffalo. It's like they handed Devin Singletary the job after he averaged over 5.1 yards a carry. During his rookie season, Zach Moss, the rookie this year, the fifth round pick out of Utah, has done a nice has done a nice job. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize those running backs uh, once again.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think in the end it'll go to Zach Moss. I really do.
0: Okay, okay. Let's do our score predictions here, Chris. Steelers. You got 34-31 Steelers. I'm going to say the Bills hand the Steelers their second straight loss, 27-23. But, yeah, that was fun, Chris. That was fun talking football with you. I'm glad uh, we got to do this today. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Thank
2: you, Max, and thank you to Sean Conway for allowing me to step in this week. I hope to meet you soon, Sean. Appreciate
0: it, Chris. Again, thanks for filling in. This was great, great talking uh, football with you. Me and Sean Conway will talk some more football. That will be college football right here next on the Sportsaholic Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
1: The Sportsaholics team loves to enjoy a beer or two while watching the game, but we never get behind the wheel when we've had one too many. Call a cab, download a ride-sharing app like Uber or Lyft, phone a friend, but never drink and drive. We here on the SportsHolic Podcast encourage responsible drinking, but on the nights where you want to get a little irresponsible, have a plan to get home safe. You drink, you drive, you lose.
0: We're back here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. Thanks, Chris, for taking over that block. That was a lot of fun to do with you, buddy. Uh, Sean Conway back on the mic, though. Sean, we got some more football to talk as promised to our listeners, this is college football. Of course, it's the same top 6. Bama 9 and 0, Notre Dame 10 and 0 at 2, Clemson 9 and 1 at 3, Ohio State at the 4 spot at 5 and 0, and then Texas A&M and Florida rounding out the top 6. Uh, the question right now is what is going to happen with Ohio State, Sean? Is the Big 10 is expected to change its policy? That teams must play six games to be eligible for the conference championship game. That would likely pave the way for um, Ohio State to face Northwestern on December 19th. Uh, there is pending review, obviously, in the league. I'm not so for it at 5 and 0. Oh, I think you, we need to see more exposure uh than this. I kind of would like to see a team maybe like Cincinnati jump in there, but what's your thoughts on 5 and 0 oh, uh Ohio State sitting at that four seat?
1: Is Cincinnati competing in the Big 10 this year?
0: No there. are eight, what? no, and I just, I don't know. I just, I, I'd i rather oh, see... Oh, in it. the
1: four spot. I, yes, I, at the I, four I'm spot. completely misheard you there. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, Um. you know, I could see something like that, but honestly, I don't think Cincinnati would jump over SEC teams. I think they would still take a, a one-loss SEC team over an undefeated Cincinnati team. Just like Coastal Carolina. Who cares if they're undefeated? Who are they playing, really? Um. But anyway, let's get back to the Big Ten. I kind of don't think it's really fair to change the rules because your most profitable team yes. could miss out on being part of the ch- the conference championship game honestly i don't know if they're deserving either to be in the top four because they only have five games under their wing and of those games they beat a bad penn state team who was ranked when they played them but have fallen from grace ever since they blew out a bad Nebraska team, a bad Rutgers team, and a bad Michigan State team this last weekend. And then they skated by Indiana with a seven-point win.
0: Yeah, you make a good point, Sean. I think you make a really valid point there. I don't, you know, I mean, I know this is going to sound biased because, again, I'm not an Ohio State fan. But I just go 5-0, and and like you said, I, I, you're blowing out of teams. I just think there's more deserving teams. Um you know, especially if Florida was upset, Bama, and the SEC championship, I could see, um, you know, just those two numbers getting flip flapped around essentially, and those two teams still being one and four, one and three, respectively, uh, pending how, again, Clemson and Notre Dame fare uh, the rest of the season.
1: Honestly, I know you don't like Notre Dame, but I put my money on Notre Dame over Ohio State at this point. I think they're a more well rounded team, and they have way more experience under the belt this season. They have twice as many games. I don't think Ohio State Ohio State stands a chance if they were to play a team like Notre Dame in the playoffs. I don't know if I wouldn't say they wouldn't
0: have a chance, Sean. I think they're still a really good team, and I think again you have a top uh, you know top five prospects uh, in the draft with Justin Fields. It's an in, you know who has not necessarily played the well that I would have expected him to play for all the hype, but. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see what the Big Ten does go forward. I hope they don't. I think you're right. I think it's BS that we're going to now all of a sudden change – Change the rule to needing, you know, going from exactly needing six games to now, oh, we'll let Ohio State, like you said, most profitable team. Oh, they're 5-0. and oh, It wouldn't have mattered anyways. Uh, I think that's kind of uh, hogwash. Last thing about the Big Ten this week, and then let's get into the game of the week, Sean, and that is one more cancellation besides Ohio State in Michigan. Uh, Purdue and Indiana will not play the old oak and bucket game this weekend, obviously due to COVID cases. But let's crack into that game of the week, Sean, which is 7-3, North Carolina, the number 17 team in the country, taking on the 10th best team, Miami, sitting there at 8-1. Sean, we talked about UNC two weeks ago when they faced Notre Dame. They lost that contest by two scores. We know they have a good offense and what we would say a very mediocre defense, averaging 28.6 points a game on D, which is 65th in the country. Uh, there's not too much to look for on defense, but one player to watch out in this matchup, Sean, would be linebacker uh, Chaz Surratt, who leads the team in tackles and sacks for the Tar Heels. Obviously on the offensive side, real quick, they're still putting up 41.1 points, uh, 41 points a game which is 12th best in the country. Sam Howell's a pretty good quarterback. He's obviously going to need to manage the clock a little bit more efficiently than he has in games past to win this one. Uh but uh Howell for the season completing over 68% of his passes for over 3000 yards and a 26 to 6 touchdown and interception Ratio, and the last time we talked about the running game, both of these running backs had over 800 yards. Now they both have over 900 yards, so it's a very good running system. Michael Carter averaging 7.1 yards a carry, and Javante Williams, 904 yards, 16 touchdowns, leading the uh, Tar Heels in that department. Look for those guys to really step up against Miami, and what do you got for us on the U, sir?
1: So the U. They have, you know, a, a, a decent chance at uh at making the Orange Bowl this season, and that is a big motivational factor that they have. And I, I if if they if they can put some strong offensive performances together this weekend and next, especially against not so strong of defenses they're facing, I think Derek uh, their quarter uh their the quarterback Derek King, excuse me. There's plenty of motivation behind them to have solid offensive performances. They can lock in a home field Orange Bowl if they win the next two games, essentially. While UNC at 17 right now, they're not really locked in for a great bowl game. Right now, it looks like they're going to be, uh, you know, maybe... Hold on. I just passed their, their projected what they're projected to play at this year. In the uh, bowl projections. I should have had this earlier. But regardless. I'll get back to that in a second. Another defensive key though. Would be getting to Sam Howell. If they could do so. By sending pressure off the edges. With Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips. Two of the most defensive line Talented defensive linemen the Tar Heels have seen this season. I think Roche and Phillips. Have a pretty good chance of wreaking some havoc. As they are ranked. Or tied. I should say. Six nationally. For tackles, for loss. So, if they could do that, I think it's it, it's a pretty good shot that uh, that Miami could pull this one off. i like to see a one-score game in this one, putting Miami ahead. Oh, um, I just scrolled to it. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl ah. is what North Carolina is projected to be playing right now. That would be against Ole Miss if the season were to end today.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And Sean, we're going to have more on those bowl games next week as we'll definitely do our two truths and a lie uh, for next week's trivia. That'll be fun. And the week after that, I believe the bowl games will be finally announced. So we'll actually have our uh, picks to click. So that we're looking fun. A lot of fun here for college football. The next two plus weeks here on the Sportsaholic podcast. But let's take a quick break here, Sean. And on the flip side of this break, we got some Major League Baseball uh, news to get into. I know Sean's itching because it pertains to his favorite team, the White Sox. Again, you're listening to the Sports Hulk Podcast right here with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
1: There are a few things Max or I like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game. But don't worry,
0: if you happen to miss the game, we've got your back. Tune into the Sports Sportsaholic Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, alongside Sean Conway, with new episodes available weekly on SoundCloud.
1: Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports world throughout the week. And we're back for another round here on the Sportsaholics Podcast. As Max alluded to before the break, the, the main headlines for this year's winter meetings, which is a shortened winter meetings, and they're all being held remote December 6th through the 10th. But the main headlines for the winter meetings this year have been my beloved Chicago White Sox. I'm not really sure how I feel about them, though. When it first, when the, the first big deal they made would be the trade that would end up in the White Sox acquiring Lance Lynn giving up Dane Dunning and prospect pitcher Avery Weems in the exchange. Now, this is what I was worried about coming into it. Lance Lynn's aging. He's starting to head into somewhat of a regression. He's 40 pounds overweight. Obviously, I I had expressed interest in in the Sox signing Bauer. I know that's not going to happen. One stat that stood out to me in his last season was his FIP was higher than his ERA and, and, his, and his FIP was a little bit higher than than average or even elite, you know what I mean? So giving up the potential, what Dane Dunning could be, that, that could be a little bit hurtful for, you know, four or five more years of control. However, Dane, Six. Dane Dunning, I don't see him being more than a three or four spot in a rotation in that time. Lance Lynn is a proven guy. He finished, you know, fifth in was it fifth or sixth in the voting? It was sixth last year in the voting for Cy Young. So right now the White Sox have five, six, and seven in the Cy Young AL voting from last season as they're one, two, and three. Can't really argue and that that's some,
0: into the rotation. Right, that's something you can't and,
1: complain about. And he's it. only taken eight million for the year and he's only one year deal. So I've grown a little bit more into it. To be more accepting of it. However, I don't think the Sox are done with the pitching staff. I'll get to that in a second. Before or after I talk about their other deal, they made the Sox ended up signing none other than Adam Eaton to return to Chicago on a one-year, seven million dollar deal. the uh, The deal has also got a second-year option worth eight and a quarter. For the uh for the 2022 season my issues Eden has had declining numbers both offensively and defensively since the being traded to the Nats in 2016 he's only really been averaging 70 to 80 games per season due to his injuries he's been having and I mean he's a just kind of a plague in the clubhouse really I mean that we had that whole thing with the Adam LaRoche situ- situation. Uh, Eaton, oh, Eaton right. and Todd Frazier, I believe had to be separated in the clubhouse at, at times. Um, yeah. there are stories I've heard of Eaton, you know, bailing on, on an autograph line for kids after 25 signed autographs. Cause that's what his agent promised me. All he had to do, he dropped the pen after 25 and left like 10 kids in the dust. So that's just rude. I heard that Ooh. interview we did with Carmen and Yurko. And yes, the question was not one that would have been smart to answer. But to say, eh, alright, I gave you guys your two minutes, bye, and just hang up on two guys like Carmen and Yurko who have, you know, really grown some credibility to be in the, in, you know, in the media right now.
0: There are two guys with spotless track records in Chicago media. For those who don't know, is Cameron and Yurko, the two two of the hosts on ESPN. I didn't appreciate that either. I thought that was kind of like, if you agree to a radio interview, don't just hang up and say, oh, that was my two minutes. Give the guy, even if you have to dilly-dilly around that uh, particular question, then dilly-dilly around it. You're a smart enough, educated man, Sean. Uh, but going back to what you're saying here, I think the Sox gave up a, a, a lot of team control for Lynn. That, again, it's going to be hit or miss with that guy, like you said. The only connection I know is that he was part of that 2011 World Series roster with Tony LaRussa, and he's all for rejoining LaRussa. So maybe he can, since he already has that prior knowledge with Tony. Maybe he can actually help, you know, the clubhouse out that way. That's the only way I look at it, since he has that prior relationship.
1: Yeah, honestly, I, I'm i a little bit more okay with the Lance Lynn one than I am with the Adam Eaton. Especially after I give you these numbers real quick. Defensively, which is why they signed him in the first place. Defensively, he had plus 25 defensive runs saved in right field in his last year with the White Sox. The last three seasons, that's though, negative three, negative three, negative six. I don't know how much of an upgrade Yikes. that is from Nomar Mazzara, who actually had a higher war than Eaton in this last season. Granted, Oof, Eaton was brutal. a little more injury-ridden this last season. Also, his weighted hey. on-base average has declined since joining the Nats. It, it's literally gone into free fall. It's gone from, from uh, let me see, it's thirty-seven or 370 Down to below 300, his weighted on-base average.
0: Yeah, that's not good. That definitely shows that he's probably a player in decline. The only thing I think the Sox are hoping on exactly, he's had a lot of injuries throughout his career. When I mean, if you look at his season with the 2019 World Series Nationals, he did do, uh, he did have a nice season. He was healthy and he had good numbers in the postseason. Again, he'll probably be the Sox eight or nine hole hitter. So on that note, hold on, I do I don't have two more too- Sox
1: things before we move on. Sorry, Max. So with Eaton, right, go what it. they're saying is they want to find that you know that little that heel character to play that little spark plug, kind of like what AJ Przinsky did. I don't, I'm not buying it. I don't think that's the same kind. AJ was loved by his teammates for the most part and hated by the league. I feel like it's kind of reversed with Adam Eaton there, where he's more liked throughout the league, but teammates don't like him. Fair enough. So that's no, my I mean, issue that's with a him. That's fair enough assessment. Final thing on the Sox, if they're going to strongly close out these winter meetings, they need to do one thing and one thing only, and that is add to the bullpen. They could do so by yes. adding Liam Hendricks right now. And I think that's the best thing they can do. Liam Hendricks is kind of showing little hints on social media that he likes the White Sox. He's been liking posts about Lance Lynn, liking posts about Adam Eaton. He's been talking praises of Garrett Crochet, on social media as well I think that's where Liam Hendricks wants to go I think Rick Hahn and, and Jerry Reisdorf need to on team. that like rice or like white on rice excuse me <laughs> fucked up that uh that hey. reference but yeah
0: wouldn't that be interesting, because it seems like how all major signings happen after our podcast, of course, happens, or the next day after, so I could see that potentially happening. Hey, jerry has got the money, and adding a lockdown reliever, because I believe is still a free agent out there, so, I mean, I forget if they tendered him a contract or not, uh, but... I, he would definitely be, I mean, again, he's the best relief pitcher out there. I gave those statistics. I believe that was last uh, podcast or the podcast before, but absolutely the most dominated uh, dominated reliever on the market, and the Sox should absolutely be interested. Uh, Sean, let's go into two other pieces of baseball news that happened this week concerning trades and uh, acqu- other acquisitions. Staying in your division the AL Central, Carlos Santana, has agreed to a two-year, $17.5 million Ooh. deal with the Royals. Uh, that's a Yeah, that's a good deal for a good veteran. I mean, you think about the Royals, the next two years, they're not going to comp- contend or compete for much. But he's a good veteran hitter to kind of help those young hitters that the Royals have on the prowl. He's got over a 15% walk rate in his career and is only nine walks away from 1,000 in his uh-huh. career. Flip into the script to the NL Central real quick, Sean. Uh, the t- Reds they're trading Rizel Iglesias and cash to the Angels for No Ramirez and a player to be named later. Uh, Ramirez spent the last three and a half seasons with the Halos, appeared in 151 games, eight of those were starts, went 13 and nine with an ERA of 4.04 and 180 innings pitched while striking out 198. Uh, I like this more for the Angels as this obviously is the Reds to shift a little bit of payroll. The Angels have the payroll to take on a guy like Iglesias who lifetime has an ERA of 315 and a FIP of 344 with 106 career saves. And last year, Sean Iglesias was 4-3 with an ERA of 2.74 and a FIP of 184 with 8 saves and 31 strikeouts compared to just five walks and 23 innings pitched in Cincinnati. So uh, I, if you're the Angels, you need as much pitching. Again, we keep saying you just need pitching, pitching. you got the best player in the world and a really good one behind him and Anthony Rendon. Starting pitching should be more the focus, but you do need somebody who can lock down games at the end, uh, and Iglesias can do that. I agree,
1: I agree. So uh, let's move on. There's been a handful of awards handed out um, to players throughout the league. We'll start off with the Hank Aaron award and yes. more White Sox talk on this podcast. Yeah, that's yeah, what I, I like to talk say. about. So Jose Abreu, <laughs> after being named the AL's MVP, also added to his resume from the 2020 season as the most outstanding offensive player, winning the Hank Aaron award. He'd be the first White Sox player and the first Cuban-born player to be honored with this award. Oh, wow. What about the NL side, Max? Uh, the NL side, man, Freddie Freeman,
0: he would have been my pick to click, too. He was second in the National League in batting average, man, with a three forty one, second on base with a .401. 462 OBP, second in slugging with the 640, and second in, o, uh, in OPS. Hank Aaron congratulated them today, Sean, by saying this. He said, "Congratulations on Jose Abreu and Freddie Freeman on winning the 2020 N, uh, AL and NL Hank Aaron Awards. You are both so deserving, and I am proud of the seasons you both had. Which is absolutely true. They both had monster numbers." And one other award to get to, Sean, and that is the Roberto Clemente Award, which Major League Baseball honors the player who best represents the game of baseball through their extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, positive contributions both on and off the field. And this year, Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals, uh, very well-deserved... Uh, claims the award, Uh, Wainwright had this to say on the award. He said, I just don't know the words to describe how big this award is. The work we're doing is never going to stop, and I'm not doing this for an award. I'm doing this to help people, which you obviously should be doing. But I thought that was a nice saying. Sean, what did he do, though, to get uh, the 2020 Roberto Clemente Award?
1: Well, Wainwright uh, has his own you know foundation that he that he helps run a philanthropy foundation called the Big League Impact Foundation and they played a pivotal role in helping raise 5.8 million dollars among 150 major league players wow. to help benefit 94 charities of their choice the effort provided more than 4 million meals to prevent childhood hunger during the coronavirus pandemic and nearly 8 Excellent. million meals Excellent. in all so absolutely fantastic wow. work by all involved on that and, and hats off to adam wainwright i know you don't like saying that too much because he has a cardinal but hats off no, to adam but in wainwright. this case Let's congratulations
0: yeah hats off yeah hats off to the veteran wainwright when you're doing that type of service and certitude i don't care what organization or what hat you wear that is awesome especially during the coronavirus pandemic you get an extra star in my uh opinion sean last thing of news and this is some bitter news some sad news Dick Allen, a guy who we talked about on our uh, on our baseball portion uh, for the bracket, Sean, mm-hmm. who was a seven time All Star, the nineteen sixty four NL Rookie of the Year, and the eighty two or I'm sorry, the seventy two AL MVP, has passed away at the age of seventy eight. Obviously, our hearts here go out to him and his family as they mourn. Uh, what an absolutely Interesting Hall of Fame case, uh, still nonetheless, Sean. Yeah,
1: honestly, I I believe, you know, he might get in with the, uh, what is that, the Veterans Committee that does that? Yes, with the
0: Veterans Committee.
1: It's very sad news. Um, The cause of death was unknown. He was 78 and had been battling cancer for some time, but the cause of death was not made public. They just made the statement that he was. Uh, You know, he was really pivotal for that White Sox organization when they were struggling in the 60s and early 70s, kind of helping to turn them around and being more of the dominant Chicago team. I mean, it they were competing against the Cubs, so during that time, the Cubs were nothing yeah. to talk about either. But really kind of put yeah. Chicago on the map for baseball again. He was the AL MVP and the home run leader in 1972. And in 1974, actually, as well. He was the home run leader, all while playing with the Chicago White Sox. And, uh on my bike ride today I listened to both the, uh, the the Sox Talk podcast on the winter meetings and the uh what had happened in the move so far but I also had listened to the uh the Monday's podcast where they had where Chuck and, and company invited on Hall of Fame pitcher Goose Gossage and he was a teammate mm-hmm. of of uh of Dick Allen during that time with yes, the White was. Sox and Goose Gossage built a really strong friendship with him and uh kind of remembered him and even if you're not a Sox fan, and I highly implore you, Max, to listen to it as well. But it was a great listen. A lot of cool and fun stories. Really gets you, I mean, especially for the people who aren't too familiar with who Dick Allen is or who he was. Really cool to hear you know, a Hall of Famer speak so highly of him. And I definitely recommend that listen to anyone out there. But that's all we really had uh, this week for Baseball Talks. On the flip side of this, Max is going to give me some trivia. I got another... Drink of the week, but it's not going to be something all that surprising. And uh, we got some stuff in Fight <laughs> Corner to talk about. You listen to the Sportsaholic Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
0: We here on the Sportsaholic Podcast recognize those who have unique disabilities. One fun and fantastic way to showcase those talents is by joining your local Special Olympics squad. Through Special Olympics, you will learn to be part of a team, add additional skill sets, learn the true definition of sportsmanship, and most importantly, have some fun. So become an athlete, become a coach, become a volunteer, be part of Special Olympics. We're back here for the final lap this week on the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean. We just mentioned Adam Wainwright uh, winning the Roberto Clemente Award, and congratulations to him for all of his efforts. Wainwright, my friend, is the sixth Cardinal to win the Roberto Clemente Award. Can you name me the other five Cardinals to win this achievement?
1: Hmm. Let's see.
0: Yadier Molina? Yadier Molina is the most recent in
1: 2018. Okay. Um, let's see, how about, is Carpenter on that list? No. Okay, what about, Josie, um, what, I don't know why I said that, um.
0: <laughs> Josie, like, I don't know, I cardinal with El- Josie. Alberta,
1: yeah, um, Albert Pujols.
0: Pujols did it 10 years earlier than Yaddy in 2008 all righty um
1: man i'm just kind of pooping on their names right now um,
0: uh, I, I could give you the years if that would help you the years they won the award
1: uh i don't know um how about in 1975 oh that'd be ozzy smith wouldn't it that be, he'd be
0: 95 actually oh, 95, Ozzie, yeah. Yeah, he'd be ninety five. Uh seventy-five. This guy was traded for in what would be the worst cub trade history of all time. I can't believe he's still like Oh,
1: up. that'd be Lou Brock, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah, Lou Brock. And you did get Ozzie Smith, you got Pujols, you got Yaddy, and this guy did it in twenty thirteen, Sean. Twenty
1: thirteen. That that was that the year they, they lost in the World Series?
0: Yes, to the Red Sox.
1: That's Beltron, then, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: that was Carlo. I was going to say, and this oh, guy has a Beltran. history. Yeah, has a history. And I can't believe he won this award of all people. But yeah, uh, good job on that list. But those are the six Cardinals uh, who have won the Roberto Clemente award. Nicely done on that list, Sean. What are you sipping on?
1: Max, I was holding off the last beer you got me for a wedding gift for when they signed Trevor Bauer. And it's it's not going to happen. I'm growing on the idea that the Sox have won the winter meetings because they've made <laughs> probably the strongest moves to solidify their team. So I'm closing off with one more White Sox beer. Danny's going up north in a few weeks anyway. He's going to bring me down a few cases.
0: I'm have my Sox beer again. And I'll probably bring you down three or four, or five twelve packs when I come and visit you, hopefully in April. So
1: I'll be up in March too, because uh, my, my, my best man Mark from my wedding is getting married. Ah. And I'm in his wedding party as well, so Very I'll cool. be up north in March to uh to, to stock up as well. But yeah, that is what I'm sipping on. Max, what did we miss this week? All right, well, we actually got a couple stories to get into. The first two involving none other
0: than quarterback Tom Brady. Sean, if you remember, oh, this must have been three, four months ago when he first moved into the Tampa region. He Remember, he was caught trespassing at somebody else's house. He just kind of walked in accidentally. Um, well, this time officers found 34-year-old uh, Zanini Sineas lying on the couch of Tom in in Tom Brady's basement while no one was home, which is just uh, funny to me. Sineas has pleaded not guilty this Monday to trespassing and breaking and entering charges during his arraignment at the Brookline District Court. According to the prosecutors, the former Rhode Island resident, if you remember last year, Sean, was charged with stealing a signed Tom Brady jersey from the New England Patriots' Hall of Fame that was valued around $10,000 at the time he was ordered to stay away from Gillette Stadium, where obviously the team's Hall of Fame is located. Uh, Tom Brady, I feel bad that your house got broken into, but not too bad when I found out this piece of news today, Sean, uh, that Tom Brady's personal company, the TB12 company, received a Paycheck Protection Program loan in the amount of $960,855. I'm sorry, Brady. I know that you have the American right to apply for that. Technically, but when you're making $25 million from the Buccaneers this year and you got millions of people suffering with their small businesses, just invest some of your personal money and Giselle or Giselle's. You guys have tons of it. This was not the time to go for the Payment Protection Program loan. Again, I know, almost in a million dollars. That made me sick today. Hence why I don't feel bad that your house got broken into. That is what we call karma. Uh, Two last things, Sean, and then let's get into Fight Corner. Both hockey-related. The NHL and the NHL Players Association have cleared their financial hurdles and are pushing a path for the 2020 and 2021 season. The sides are now aiming, Sean, for a January 13th start date with either a 52 or 56 game. Schedule. The sites have communicated daily since last Thursday, and the hope is to uh, finalize a plan by the end of this week. That plan, though, will include temporary divisional realignment, schedules, and coronavirus protocols. Obviously, this has to be ro- uh, a- approved by the Players Association's Executive Board and by the NHL Board of Governors. If we do get hockey, though, Sean, several of the NHL teams are exploring the possibility of having some 2020 uh, some of the home games out at outdoor uh, venues where fans might be able to uh, attend, based on again COVID-19 restrictions. The Boston Bruins have confirmed that they are exploring playing their home games this year at Fenway Park, which we know has hosted NHL and NCAA games. In the past, the Kings have also had internal discussions about playing their home games at uh, Dignity Health Sports uh, Park, which is home to the L.A. Galaxy of Major League Soccer.
1: What? Yes. No, L.A. is not cold enough for outside games.
0: Well, that is what, that is what the report says. <laughs> They're going to be swimming by the third period. That's what I said too. If you remember that uh, 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 Blackhawks uh, and Blues yep. game to be played at Bush Stadium, I was like, and it was like 72 degrees or something. At, at the <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I didn't get that. Either. I got Boston. I did get Boston's idea and Fenway Park. How cool would that be to have the Bruins play their entire uh, home games at, at uh, Fenway Park? Really cool. Or if the Blackhawks could do it at Soldier, Soldier Field or Wrigley Field, oh. I'd be for I'd be down with it. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, that is weird. on uh, the Kings wanting to go to the uh, Galaxy's home, which I believe is an outdoor arena. So, <laughs> oh
1: boy. All right. Well, let's get into fight corner real quick. UFC 256 is this Saturday. We got Deve San Figueroa taking on Brandon Moreno in the flyweight title bout in the main event. And the co-main event will be a lightweight bout between Tony Ferguson. And Charles Oliveira Ferguson has threatened to drop out of the fight If Oliveira comes in Overweight at all He's saying if you're a couple pounds over No fight So that is what we have in the <laughs> UFC One boxing news that uh, I, We had to throw it in because we talked about him last week But Logan Paul And oh Floyd Mayweather Have announced an agreement To an exhibition boxing match For February 20th so we have an 0-1 YouTuber taking on the greatest, one of the greatest boxers of all time, undefeated. What is this yeah. world coming to? This is so dumb. I know this <laughs> is a money grab for Mayweather, but what is going on? This is terrible for the sport of boxing, just like the Nate Robinson, Jake Paul thing was terrible for boxing. And now there's just, can the Paul brothers just go away? They aren't fighters. They don't fight well at all. They have terrible, terrible form. Oh, it's so infuriating. That's all I really had in Fight Corner. Next week in Bids and Snubs, we got another great matchup. Darren Sproles and Matt Forte. And then we got Randy Gratishar and Leroy Butler on the snub side of things. We'll wrap up the moves that are made in Winter Meetings. Last day of the Winter Meetings is Thursday this week college football regular season will be coming to an end so we'll be discussing conference championship setup and i yes. look forward to that especially if ohio state can uh can play with only five games in their uh their season and uh you know much much more to talk about here on the sportsaholics podcast but uh yes. all we have really look forward to next week i won't be drinking any more socks beers But I might be drinking a couple other kind of beers coming up.
0: Nice. Nice. Very good. Always good to relax on a Wednesday evening, Sean. This was uh, fun as always. Um... Uh, Next week too, I'm also looking forward to. I don't study the bowls too hard this week, Sean. I will get my. uh, I will have that again. My uh, my bowl game up for you next week, and then it will be bowl season after that. So that is stuff that we are totally, totally looking forward to here on the podcast. Uh, My simple message today, Sean, is we're getting close to uh, Christmas. If you can give right now, this is the year to give, obviously with the pandemic. And I'm talking about giving anything at this point, you know, giving time, giving money. If you can donate a toy to, you know, uh, uh, you know, to children or something, do something for somebody in need. Give to somebody in need. That is my message to close out. I don't have any quotes or anything today. I just go, with Christmas coming around here in less than 20 days folks think about all the fortunate times you've had for christmas maybe your christmas will be a little bit different or obscured from other christmases in the past because of this pandemic but think about the folks who've been out of work and won't be able to provide for their kids and you know for an ample christmas so if you can give please give that is my bottom message to close the uh cast sean conway fun is always there can't wait uh for next week's edition of the Sportsaholic podcast Jason James thanks for providing your song Fallen Hills uh, again belated happy birthday to Chris Chrisman, who turned 42 and thank you Chris Jackie for 20- Robinson
1: year Yeah,
0: good point, Sean. Jackie Robinson here. Uh, Thanks for joining us, though, Chris, and taking over for Sean for their NFL discussions. Much appreciated, buddy. I'm Max Zucker, and signing off again for Sean Conway, you have been listening to the Sportsaholic Podcast.